Well, woe is me. Woe is me. Here we are yet again at the most dreaded preaching moment of the entire church calendar. It is the moment when we clergy can feel a rumbling beneath our feet as our words cause the great saints of history, saints like Athanasius and Gregory of Nyssa, to roll over in their graves. (laughs) Because I, along with like every other priest everywhere, have to get up today and talk to people about the Holy Trinity. Because it is Trinity Sunday, after all. But how do you go about talking about the Trinity without immediately slipping into heresy, without completely botching it all up? I mean, sure, I could simply say that we Christians believe that God is one God, three persons, hoping that this would be enough to suffice. But any sensible person listening to me would say, yes, and go on. (laughs) So then I could attempt to talk about how beautiful it is that God's being is made up of a communion of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I could really highlight this diversity within the unity. But then I would probably be slipping into a heresy called tritheism. Or I could go to the other extreme. And I could highlight the unity of God and talk about how this one God has manifested himself in three different ways throughout the course of history. But in doing so, I would know that I would be flirting awfully hard with another heresy called modalism. And to make matters even worse, somebody who is well-read in ancient Christian thought could easily point out that I failed already with my opening thought that the phrase one God, three persons, is technically not correct. Because they would point out that even though Jesus and the Holy Spirit are indeed divine, and they are a part of the Father's nature, the church fathers taught that it is only the Father who can properly be called God. So yeah, woe is me. (laughs) Yay, Trinity Sunday! (laughs) What is a preacher to do? It seems to me that we can either call it a day and avoid talking about the Trinity altogether, which is, I think, the approach that many Christians take, right? Or or we can decide to try to delve further into the mystery that the word Trinity is trying to represent. I mean, were the early Christians just trying to stump us with a bad math equation? whenever they said that the divine is both three and one simultaneously? Or were they inviting us into a mystery that defies comprehension? Perhaps we're not meant to think about the Trinity as much as we are meant to experience it. I'm reminded of that famous quote by G.K. Chesterton where he talks about the difference between poets and intellectuals. The poet only asks to get his head into the heavens. It is the intellectual who seeks to get the heavens into his head, and it is his head that splits. Whenever it comes to the Trinity, we should play the part of the poet. We are not meant to get the Trinity into our heads 
as much as we are meant to get our heads into the experience of the Trinity. While I was in seminary, one of my mentors was a grouchy old monk. Every morning he would come stomping into chapel in his monk's robes and his clunky Birkenstocks. I don't know why, but like every monk I have ever met wears Birkenstocks. I'm not sure why it's such a fashion thing in that community, but it is. Anyways, I digress. You could hear this grouchy old monk's rosary clanking up against everything that he walked past as he walked into chapel. And he would unashamedly cough and balk at the priests whenever they did something wrong during the liturgy. He would even cuss out loud whenever a preacher said something really stupid during a sermon. He was truly one of my favorite people of all time. And for a monk, he had a surprisingly checkered past. And he was pretty abrasive. He, wouldn't, he wasn't what you would expect a monk to be like. But this made him all the more real to me, more relatable. And one day I gleefully watched gleefully watched as he cussed out my least favorite professor on campus because this professor had bombarded all of us with a sermon about God's wrath during chapel that morning. I'll edit myself here. (laughs) Bleep bleep, he said, if you really believe that God is wrathful, this grouchy old monk said to the professor, you've not yet understood your experience of God. So that was the day that I decided to muster up the courage to ask this cranky old monk to teach me a little bit about what he knows. Surprisingly, his tough exterior softened, and he obliged me. So fast forward a little bit. One day, after several months' worth of conversations, he said something that would go on to torment me for the remainder of my time in seminary. He looked over at me and he said that there's only one line, one line in the entire Nicene Creed that finds its origin in the actual experience of God. All the other lines, according to him, originated out of theological conjecture. In other words, there's only one line that touches on what people actually experience in prayer. The other lines were just the result of some people trying to sound theological. I'll let you guess what he believes that one line to be. But whenever he said this to me that day, I'll admit it pushed me over the edge into a bit of of an existential crisis. Looking back on it now, yes, I know, I realize that this was precisely what he was aiming to do. For all of his crassness and all of his crankiness, he was a masterful wisdom teacher. As one modern theologian has said, God is not our idea of God. And this monk was teaching me to understand this. Rather than giving me easy answers or more ideas to mull over, he decided to create a tension within me so that, that, that I would reach out for the real thing, so that I would seek it out for myself. In other words, he made me feel the urgency of moving from second-hand religion to first-hand religion. And this conversation with him that day made me realize that I had come to a lot of my own beliefs about God, not because of my direct experience of God, 
but because of what others had told me about God. For example, do I believe that Jesus is the incarnation of God because I experience God in a profoundly unique way through the person of Jesus? Or do I believe that Jesus is the incarnation of God because that is what I am supposed to believe? Do I believe in the Trinity because I experience God in a triune, threefold, mysterious sort of way? Or do I believe in the Trinity because a group of crusty old church fathers told me to, right? I was in mental agony for months because of this conversation. My head was splitting, for I was attempting to cram the whole of heaven into it. I had forsaken the path of the poet <laughs> and adopted the way of the intellectual. But then one night in chapel, during evensong, I experienced a paradigm shift, a profound moment of awakening. All of us students were singing the Magnificat, the Song of Mary, when I was suddenly completely overwhelmed by a vision. At the beginning of the song, I could feel the presence of God stirring deep within my soul. What the mystics have called the fire of love in the heart, I felt in that very moment. But just as soon as I located this fire within myself, I suddenly began to awaken to the presence of God beside me as well, in the room, and especially in my classmates. In the moment, as my classmates were singing, they sounded like an angelic choir, and I could barely bring myself to look at them. They were luminous. I was experiencing the divine in two different ways in that moment. But as we neared the end of the song, I began to feel this divine presence not only within me and around me, but also infinitely beyond me. I felt as though the whole universe were somehow in the womb of God. And as we were chanting, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, at the end of the song, I realized that I was experiencing the Holy Trinity firsthand. God beyond me, God beside me, and God within me. In other words, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Trinity is just another name that we give for the all-encompassing and infinitely loving presence of God in our world and beyond our world. One divine being experienced in three different ways. One divine being perceived at every level of reality. Trinity is another name for how God has interwoven himself into the very tapestry of existence. To understand this profound mystery, we cannot think our way into it. To understand it, we have to stop trying to understand it. We have to simply let ourselves experience it. And if we live with open hearts and open minds, we will see that we are all swimming in God's presence, God's glory, and that the whole of reality is a sacrament of the divine. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. 
the whole earth is full of his glory.